Street. Hello and welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. This week I caught up with Paul Smith, lead vocalist of Newcastle Outrockers Maximo Park, a band who burst onto the scene in 2004, releasing Mercury-nominated debut album A Certain Trigger the following year. Since then, where some fellow mid-noughties indie scene compatriots have disbanded or failed to evolve and grow their sound for ageing and new audiences, Maximo Park have matured and cultivated their own brand of musical storytelling without shying away from disruption and change. Paul discusses with me about adapting over the years and how their seventh album is one of the most personal they have made. Do check out my interview with him a little later on in the show, celebrating their brand new album, Nature Always Wins, out now and a rough trade edit pick for this week. So some good news arrived last week for our record stores and in fact all independent retail here in the UK. We can reopen from the 12th of April. Finally, the bright light we needed to guide us out of this winter slump where our store communities have been sorely, sorely missed. Um, We will, of course, share more information nearer the date. So keep an eye on our blog and also our social media for updates as and when they arrive. Once again, the continued support we've seen during this period of closure has been absolutely phenomenal and we cannot wait to have you back at the counter catching up and hopefully looking forward to some more positive times. Um, it does, of course, continue to be a really challenging path to tread for many in our industry and I cannot stress enough how much of a difference you guys make, even simply by listening to this show. You know, appreciating, sharing, purchasing and donating to the arts is so, so important and Really, no gesture is too small. So new to our edit this week are some fantastic albums, some highlights of which I am really keen to share with you. And first up, we have the highly anticipated third album from super sad sensation Julian Baker. Little Oblivions is a rich and sumptuous listen with explosive crescendos and familial intimacy. Julian has garnered a incredibly loyal fan base, testament, of course, to her deeply personal, reflective and confessional songwriting. It is absolutely an unmissable record, this. And I'm going to play you a bit of the track Favour, which features both Phoebe Bridges and Lucy Dacus, close friends and fellow boy genius bandmates. I used to think about myself, that was a talented life. Next up, and we cannot get enough of Here Lies Man, the LA-based quartet who were a rough trade top 10 albums of the year artist back in 2018. They return with new album Ritual Divination, which delivers heavier riffs than ever before. Thick and throaty bass lines slapped over primal beats are what make the kind of fusion we enjoy so very much. You're going to want to turn this one up. Bread to be played loud, this music is. So without further ado, this is the incredible Here Lies Man with Collector of Vanities.
Lost Horizons, the project from Simon Raymond of Cocteau Twins and drummer Richard Thomas, release In Quiet Moments, their second album following their 2017 debut, which was also a Rough Trade album of the month. So featuring an incredible lineup of collaborators, the duo's gorgeous free-flowing instrumentation acts as the featherbed for the range of guest vocals that appear track to track here. Um, this record makes for a really mystical and natural ride Big shout out to Porridge Radio who appear on the track One for Regret, which I'm going to play a little bit for you now. Check this out. And finally this week, the awesome new album from Connor Whitney, a.k.a. Whitney K. Two Years is a deep dive into the Canadian songwriter's journey through vulnerability, change and ultimately letting his guard down. It is a red hot rough trade top tip for early 2021 and a rambling, stumbling, rocking masterpiece that will warm your heart and engage your soul. We have a limited Rough Trade exclusive splatter vinyl for this one and you can also catch Whitney on Rough Trade Transmissions this week over on Instagram. It is going to be awesome. I've already seen it. I love it. Please tune in. Here is my favourite track from the record. This is Whitney Kay and Maryland. She says she loves you. So take the money and let her love you. Right, Providence, as it begs to be rowed to Maryland and beyond. Why should you fear regality? So that wraps our edit highlights this week. Of course, a slew of new albums are on the way for you this coming Friday. And of course, the Friday after. So stay up to date by following at Rough Trade on Instagram and Twitter. You can, of course, also browse our full edit selection at roughtrade.com. Link, as always, in the show notes. If you are enjoying our podcast, once again, a kind reminder to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you so wish. Every little helps. And yeah, it's always really wonderful to hear any happy feedback you guys have. I am chatting with Paul Smith of Maximo Part next. Thank you so, so much for listening and I will catch you in a couple of weeks. A really, really warm welcome to the Rough Trade Edit podcast and a huge congratulations on your new album with Maximo Park, Nature Always Wins. How are you doing today? We're in another lockdown here in the UK, for anyone who may not be in the UK who is listening. But um, it's strange times, but maybe slightly more positive going forward. <laughs> positive vibes out there, maybe, that we may get out of this. <laughs> yeah, no, there are, there are certainly positive vibes floating around if you can if you can find some way of capturing them um it's yeah it's it's kind of up and down and i've tried to get into the mentality of of just getting through each day and being as positive as you possibly can be because obviously for a band like ourselves who are um known for playing live and 
putting on a good show and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, this year could could be similar to last year, really, where there's there's not much action to be had, and we've still got two dates on sale, um, and we're hoping to play them. But yeah, I think rather than than trying to get into the what if game, I'm just trying to get through get through each day and do some homeschooling with my daughter and try and be um as positive as possible yeah i think that's the most anyone can ask of you at the moment or 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 of any of us to be honest (laughs) um but i guess yeah it is a really strange time to be releasing an album let alone recording one um i know the making of this record was quite a different journey for you guys not only because of of course of the pandemic but also due to lucas departing the band and producer Ben Allen um, coming aboard. It's obviously the band's seventh album and I think testament to the ongoing evolution of Maximo Park's sound and writing. I think it's very safe to say that you've been riding your own wave since 2005. Um, I wanted to ask whether Lucas leaving the band kind of opened up that creative space a bit further in terms of experimentation perhaps for this record? Yeah, I think it did. I think we were sad when he said that he wanted to to leave and that he was emigrating as well in the end um and he now lives in in melbourne with his with his wife and has just had a um a child and so you know there was a sense of an an ending to like some sort of chapter in in our little story that we have Mm. um but also the kind of the the songwriting core of the band has always been myself and duncan and me, Duncan, Tom have known each other obviously for quite some time now, and it felt like okay, you know, that we've we've dealt with our original bass player Archer's leaving, and um, I guess it was probably about eight years ago or something that he left, um, and it felt like we've we've weathered a few storms along the way, and we are very confident in in what we do and our as as you alluded to you know that the fact that we we plow our own furrow and somehow it, there's a kind of essence of maximo park to all of the records that we've made despite taking a few diversions along the way um and and luckily people who who like the band have have stuck with us generally speaking you know people are willing to to um have different kinds of songs and different kinds of sounds on our records um you know people kind of expect that as well i would i would, I would say now they're kind of the subtle evolution from record to record so when when lucas left um after after that initial sadness it was more of a um a sort of gauntlet thrown down where we thought you know it, it's our seventh record it's very difficult for um for anybody who's who's probably you know none of the band to get excited about a new maximo park record um it's our job to make them excited um mm. by making thrilling music that's that's vital and um you know the the emotions have always kind of driven the songs that we write together so um i, I wasn't i wasn't particularly bothered about 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 that but i do i do think it's important for us to change record to record and lucas leaving gave us an opportunity to perhaps leave a little bit more space in the arrangements this time. And we knew that we would need somebody who played a bit of keys, um, a bit of whatever really to, to kind of collaborate with us. And sure enough, Ben Allen, um, who, who we, we, you know, we've kind of 
courted him from afar, um, having been big fans of Deer Hunter. And um, I remember when Animal Collective's Merryweather Post Pavilion came out, I, I, I was checking the credits and thinking, who did this? Um, and, you know, it felt like that kind of had a big impact on alternative music when that came out. And, you know, I knew that he'd engineered a lot of hip hop records. He'd co-written with Christina Aguilera. Um, you know, it's a pretty varied CV that he's got. So we knew that he would be able to, whatever kind of avenue we went down, that he would be able to um, uh, fulfill our expectations and achieve some of the things that we wanted to achieve with this record in terms of um, perhaps having uh, kind of like an ambient synth somewhere in the mix that kind of rubs up against Dunk's guitars and the kind of um, angular things that we that we have in our in our typical songs. You know, having something else that that is unusual in the mix. Um, and I think you know we talked to Ben about sort of Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois productions and things like that, where it felt like they can be a little bit epic, but but they're never they're never naff. Um, which is, which is, you know, it's a fine line, and and we're not afraid to tread it. Since since day one, there's been something, um, you know, because we because we write pop songs essentially, and we're not scared of the word pop. Um, it's there's been something in our songs that is very melodic and very catchy, and that's something that we that we tend to play up, if anything. Um, but we also we we don't we don't like cliches in the band, so it's 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 trying to find that that sort of balance between the two the two things there and and i think ben is is a you know he ended up contributing to, uh, to the writing of all of me i think he added a little bit to versions of of you the second song on the record so yeah we we ended up do, having that kind of collaborative thing that we that we obviously have with with that we had with lucas with with this with this record we really wanted to the the producer to be a fourth member of the band and and hopefully we'd get something that sounded a bit different but also yeah still had that spirit of of whatever we are and ben visited um newcastle early 2020 i believe um did, yeah. before of course <laughs> uh, we all kind of descended into crazy town um you must feel really really lucky I suppose looking back that you had that window to meet in the flesh do you think if you hadn't had that it would have been much more difficult to, I do. to record yes. the album, everything that followed yeah I think that's that's a that's a really good point because um we had a weekend with with him um and it felt like we bonded a little bit you know and, and I, I didn't even think about it until making making the record really and having the sort of whatsapps with somebody who's in atlanta on a totally different time zone mm -hmm. and you know having a few little reference points and we took him around newcastle and um we went down the quayside as well um there was a, a market on on the sunday morning and he bought some rupert the bear annuals from um which were big in our youth <laughs> showing my age there that's for sure um and yeah, it, it, it was it was cool. He was like, man, these things look so quaint and great. I'm going to take them back for my kids. Uh, so, yeah, we you know, we had had these kind of little in jokes, I suppose, that you need when you're you're, you're making a record because it can be pretty intense. You know, you, you, we believe a lot in what we're doing, but also you want to have fun. You don't want to you don't you want to take things lightly when you need to when it when it's getting to that too intense 
kind of portion of the recording process or when you're mixing. We did do some music that weekend, I, I should add. Um, but yeah, we sort of played in our, in our studio slash re- rehearsal room um, slash storage space, you know, surrounded by all of our old backdrops and amplifiers. Um, it, we, we just kind of ran through a few of the songs, all of me being one of them and meeting up another song on the record that has a bit more of a, a kind of electronic feel. And, you know, he, just speaking to him about the songs, he had a slightly different perspective. You know, when, when I first heard Meeting Up, when Duncan sent, sent the music to me, um, I did something kind of quite low-key. It reminded me of the Tinder Sticks or something like that, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, and then when, when he heard it and the kind of synths on it, he made it more synthy and said it sounded a bit like Underworld to him, which I'd never really thought of, but I, I do like Underworld a lot as well. So um, yeah, just kind of sharing those, those musical influences and, and, and even sort of saying no to something, um, not that I can really recall anything like that, but just making sure that there's sort of ground rules for where you're not going to go. You know, we're not, we don't want to make things uh, too, too anthemic <laughs> or too, too um commercial or or you know slick but we we do like modern production you know i don't want to sound like you know we're, we're still in 2005 making our first record again you know those kind of things are um you know it, it feels a bit embarrassing when groups are are kind of hankering after that that their past so with each record we've always tried to just find find a space where we can um exist that 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 takes into account where where music is you know we, we we buy a lot of records and we're still we're still very engaged with the world around us again it, being in a band can be quite hermetic and um like a little bubble and so I, I suppose connecting with with ben and um the knowing that he's you know just he just did the big moon record and i heard that on the radio and i was like yeah we're going to work with this guy and it, this sounds really good mm-hmm. um it was yeah it was nice it, i think it really as you say it, it really helped grease the wheels of 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 the protracted isolated process that we then went into because after that weekend when we met him we said we'll see you in atlanta in april um which were <laughs> uh words which were swiftly retracted um when when things became obvious what was you know how things were 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 panning out with the pandemic and um the whole process became this um i I suppose it's more it's it's not it's not that unusual because everybody knows that technology is great these days and you can send files and when i make my solo records you know from a purely economic sense it is often just me playing my guitar into my computer and my singing into my computer and sending it off to my pal Andy who's in warm digits and he'll do the drums and kind of produce it because he knows more about production than I do um and so it wasn't like an alien process in that respect but with Maximo Park we are used to being in a a, a, a nice studio and working with somebody who's um you know music musical productions that we've admired and having that kind of feedback from the other two guys in the band that's instantaneous rather than having to wait for an email once once your vocals are dropped into the rest of the song um it was yeah it was i think we need we needed that that commonality with with the the person we were working with yeah you've kind of touched on it there but i i wanted to ask kind of when uh 
the initial lockdown hit and you were of course then all pushed into working remotely how kind of confident were you that you were going to be able to actually make the record because I guess everybody had to adapt in one way or another and it seems like you guys did it pretty fast so you must have had like a kind of confidence of yes we can get this done and you know it's just about working within the new restrictions and the new environments we've got. Yeah, we just said to Ben, do you think you can do this? Um, is it the right thing to do? Because obviously, you know, you're still spending a lot of money and, you know, working with a fairly high profile producer. Mm. Um, and so we, 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 we started tentatively with a couple of songs um, w- that were quite different from each other. Um, and after those ones went well, we just said, let's keep going. Let's continue the process until we're finished. Um, it It was it became it became a little stickier towards the end with the the mixing process because you are essentially fine tuning what you're doing and those those little things have got to be right but obviously you're sending emails or you're on a different time zone and you're trying to do things that are that could be much easier in in person where you just next to the person with their finger on the on the on the fader and you just say just a little bit more please and it's you know that is that's a kind of two week two five day two five day weeks process to get through a, a, an album in our experience where you you know you're taking your time to tweak everything and i think it's it, it ended up taking a, over a month i think to just even to just mix the record um so it was it was it was um something that you wouldn't you wouldn't want to do but i think it it kind of distracted us as well in the early days of lockdown where um you know, you could you could easily be gripped with the with the news, and sure enough, when I'd finish recording and emailing and thinking about the record, I'd be straight onto News Twenty Four, just trying to find out more information about what was what was happening to to the world and to our part of the world, and all those kind of more um, personal things. Um, but yeah, making the record was was a in many ways a, a way of of just keeping ourselves occupied and thinking well you know we'll we'll have something to show for this time at the end of it what however long it'll take obviously it's taken a lot longer than we would like and um you know it's running into this year and it's it's kind of sad that we'll be putting a record out and that you know the rough trade shop won't be open to sell it and we can't go and do an in-store and you know spread the word about our our record but on the other hand you know, we've made something during this time that we feel is a very positive thing. Um, you know, it's a it's a a pop record that spans a lot of different um, types of songs, and it, but is generally quite a positive record. I think, despite some of the some of the topics on it and the, the sort of um, frustrations that go into writing songs, it comes out as as something that I, you know, hopefully, people can can listen to while they're at home and you know they might have more time to listen to it on the headphones or dance around the front room to it <laughs> so maybe maybe there is something positive about it happening like this yeah I've spoken to quite a few artists over the last few months um, on the podcast actually and many of them were kind of forced to either finish or publicize an album during lockdown um, and they echo exactly what you just said there that although it was obviously a super tough situation, it did give a real focus and something to kind of work on while the world was in a bit of a sort of nervous standstill. So I think, yeah, you will, although it's kind of bittersweet, it, it surely it will have that, there'll be that happy reflection of, you know, you really did something quite 
amazing really in producing that record the way you did with everything that was going on well it, it, one of the things that i'm proudest of is that it doesn't sound um too fragmented and bitty and it feels like quite a seamless record to me um despite as i say it kind of goes from punkier songs to more electronic things to sort of very reflective things to almost yeah fists fists aloft <laughs> slightly anthemic um even though we were trying to find the balance as i said um you know these these still kind of quite big for us alternative pop songs and um i, I i'm i'm I think if we'd have made it in Atlanta, one of the things that we wanted to do was to be quite spontaneous and play in a in a new ensemble and sort of um, mess around with the songs. And we didn't have that luxury this time. We had to sort of work with Duncan's demos a lot of the time. You know, he'd he'd he'd, he'd done great great work at home with his guitar and um, with synths and stuff, and um, putting a bit of bass on on certain songs. So we had a kind of template for for the record which we may may have deviated from and um it might have sounded quite different and so to to actually not have that process and not have that opportunity to go out to atlanta and um have this totally different experience you know it could have been a bit a bit deflating but then when when we'd finished the record i sort of looked back at the at the the process and the songs and tried to have a have a look at it in a kind of broader sense and you know obviously i i like it because it's <laughs> I, I i made it and slaved over it um with the other the other two guys um but I, I i do think there's something fluid about it and it doesn't it it doesn't have any of the the flaws that i thought it might it might potentially have because of the the process mm. Mm. do you think i guess it's quite hard to reflect and in some respects maybe it's best not to but do you think it's almost kind of a a better record because of that because of the way it was made or it's just different to how the template was originally set would you say i think i think it very difficult to say very difficult to say indeed because i was i was looking forward to doing something um that was that had more off the cuff aspects to it mm-hmm. and took us perhaps further away from from our traditional band sound um but on the other hand now now looking back at it obviously that 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 kind of thing is um open to to all sorts of risks and you are you are risking a lot more um whereas knowing knowing the songs and feeling like there was a solid foundation um and they are they are a collection of songs you know there's 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 not so much improvisation on it but in, instead there's this kind of sonic um adventure for us anyway you know songs like child of the flatlands or versions of you um which is a bit of a bit more straightforward than child of the flatlands they have this um yeah i, I i'm almost wanting to say sonic landscape but i know that's that's not the right thing to say because <laughs> it sounds <laughs> sounds a bit it off um but yeah they've, they, they, it feels like you know when I, I can kind of almost i can kind of visualize different things when i listen to it um and so there is there is that aspect to it um and yeah you probably um you wouldn't have maybe the the strength of songs the strength might come in a different area it might be um in a, in in to have that spontaneous feel might might give you a, a different record and a better record in one way but yeah the, the there's a strength to these songs and it does feel like you know one of our strongest collections of songs 
to date, if not the strongest, which you always think that when you've, when you've, when you put a record out and um, everybody else will, will be the judge of that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it still feels, I, I just, yeah, I, I feel very proud, proud of the songs. They kind of represent a time in our lives, which is what all, all of the records that we've made are meant to do. You know, the last one, Risk to Exist, was more of a political record. And I was try, I, I felt as a lyricist, it's time to be unambiguous because there's so much ambiguity in the world. You know, I want people to feel a kind of solidarity if they feel the same way when they listen to the songs. You know, a lot of the songs were about empathy and it reflected um, what I felt as somebody living in the northeast of England at that point. You know, I can't, um, on one of the songs on the new record, it says I can only speak for myself, but I'd like to understand your feelings as well. Um, And, you know, I, I still believe that, the, my my best sort of lyrics and songwriting come from my own experience and then using that as a, a sort of platform to talk about other things. Um, but having that sort of personal aspect to, to them is something that distinguishes our records um, from other people's, uh, I would say, and maybe aligns it more with a quite a different type of music, you know, like more like... Um, you know, the singer-songwriters that I, I, I've sort of been influenced by, like, you know, foundational ones like Joni Mitchell and Leonard Cohen and, or something like that. Um, but th- th- those kind of things run through the records. And I don't think, um, I don't think we've, we've ever sort of strayed too far from trying to reflect that, which is one of the strengths of, of each record. If, if you see what I'm saying, <laughs> I've kind of, I've wandered quite far from the original part of the, of the question. <laughs> yeah, it actually goes really nicely into what um, I wanted to say next, which is one of the larger themes on the new album is fatherhood, obviously super personal to you, as you've described. Um, but I personally don't feel like I've heard a lot of records or maybe enough records that deal with that subject matter, certainly in the way that you do here. Um, I know you've spoken before um, about how you are really keen for your music to kind of age with you, so to speak. So I think one of the really nice things about that is that your fans from your early days can kind of grow with you. Um, So I was 17, for example, when your debut came out. But my life now is very different in my 30s. So it's really nice to still be able to tap into bands from my youth and hear them write about stuff that myself or my peers are experiencing and feeling also. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, that's good to know because I, I feel, I feel like that's um, important to me, not just not just to from from a sort of generational point of view where people can, you know, realise that it's it's there's a there's a genuine, honest kind of aspect to the to the the songwriting, but also if you get that right and if you are singing in your own voice in my in my in my case my own accent. Um, which, which when we first started was something that people used to draw attention to. And I, I didn't understand it because I didn't really, um, didn't realize that I was, <laughs> I was doing that. You know, I was just trying to sing from the heart. Um, and I think, you know, I, I still try and do that. And if you do that, anybody can get into it. And, um, you know, of, again, often people are trying to come up with a sort of formula in order to reach people um which is seems ill-conceived to my mind um i think when i was growing up i I guess i must have been about 15 or 16 when i heard something like 
the the Blue Niles family life, which was was, you know, just you know, I found it unbearably moving, and it's it's from the perspective of of, of a father talking about their family, and because it's so well done, and you know, Paul Buchanan's voice is so emotional and and uh, measured so well you know the delivery of the song as well as the as the lyrics and the the um the arrangement everything kind of aligns so that you you know you you listen to it and clearly i wasn't a, a father <laughs> um at that time i was just in my in my bedroom in billingham just thinking you know this is amazing this is so moving you know um i felt like approaching this record that was the sort of goal for me was to try and find something universal in in each of the songs that so that it didn't close anybody off but also to you know i still need to stay true to the to the way that i write and to to try and um convey things that i want to get into a song you know the things that interest me and the things that i'm drawn to otherwise how could i how could i expect anybody else to to be into the songs if i wasn't passionate about about them or was inspired you know i, I think perhaps um, again, a lot of bands on the seventh album have probably lost a lot of that inspiration or are, are, are trying to um, rediscover it. And I, I think that's, that's, that is a challenge, you know, it's a challenge for everybody as they, as they go through their lives to, to find something that inspires them and to keep searching for, for new things to, and, but also to feel comfortable with who they are. And I think this record um, is, is an example of, of a band doing that. I guess you must, I mean, do you have a, a kind of pinch yourself moment? Do you guys have to pinch yourself when you look at your career and, you know, you're just about to release album seven? Um, do you reflect back on kind of those early days? I don't know if there was much of an expectation within you there as to how far it would go, but do you, does it seem kind of crazy that you're at this point, album seven? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I mean, it does when I, when I, when I think of... Um, you know, even, even just traveling, you know, that I, I would have never, I'd never been on a plane till I was 21. You know, I'd never been out of the country. Maybe I was 20, 23 or something. I'd never been out of the country till I was 21. Um, I'd never really been outside of my local area. <laughs> I'm the first person in my family to go to university. You know, my, I've, um, it feels like my background um, has shaped me to be who I am. And I, I look at, where I've gone from there and it's it was unexpected you know because I'd never really thought of um the band being anything other than the best band in Newcastle you know or that after that we wanted to be the best band we could be um in the UK you know just you know slightly ridiculous statements like that <laughs> buzz around your head because you're thinking what you know what are, what are our limits and then obviously after that you think um you, you don't think we'll be the best band in the, in the world because that's, 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 that is slightly ludicrous. Um, but when, you know, when we were first starting out, there is that kind of competitive aspect to the music industry, which I think is a, is a bit of a trap for people to fall into because you're pitted against other bands, which doesn't really make any, any sense at all. Or, um, you know, there's another, there's another aspect of the music industry where it says, you know, unless you keep rising whatever that means, unless you keep taking it to the next level, then you've failed. And, you know, we've seen a lot of bands who were releasing records around the same time as, as our first one. Um, and they, yeah, they've kind of 
fallen by the wayside or they've, they've had difficulties that they couldn't overcome. Um, and so in that respect, again, it just feels like, okay, yes, we are um, still here. We're still making music that we, that we love and that we want other people to, to be excited about. But obviously, you know, there's a lot of people don't feel that way about our music. <laughs> um, so you can never really feel too, uh, you know, uh, exalted <laughs> not everybody can like your music and I think um, that always that always puts me back down to earth I think you guys can be incredibly proud of the fact that you have continued to make music and really driven to kind of speak to people and evolve with that audience as well as yourself so yeah I think that's awesome and test record being so great thank you um finally before I kind of wrap up. I just wanted to ask whether you still get nervous. I, I suppose you sort of answered this a little bit in the, in the previous question, but do you still get nervous before releasing a record? Cause we're about a wee week or two away from. Yeah. Uh, I, yes, it's, I, it is a couple of weeks and I am, I am nervous because um, I, I felt when we made the record, I felt super confident about it. Um, but I, I, I have done with all of the other records <laughs> and you just don't know what, what, what people are going to make of it. Um, I did an interview the other day with somebody in Germany and um, they said, hey, I never thought I would listen to Maximo Park again, but here I am. This is a great record. <laughs> and you think, all oh, right, you didn't like the last few records then. Okay. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't scared to say that. Um, I'd rather he'd kept it to himself it, <laughs> uh, at the start of the, at the start of a conversation, it kind of took the wind out of my sails. Um, but yes, it, that's, that's okay. It's, this is the thing. It's okay. <laughs> okay for, for him to think that, but maybe, maybe don't mention it at the start of my <laughs> interview. Otherwise it'll, uh, yeah, it'll knock you a little bit. Um, but this is the thing. I mean, I, I am, I'm probably not really, um, I'm, I'm not really made for, the sort of business side of the thing that, that, that we do, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I like making music. I like singing. I like writing lyrics. I like reading and trying to, you know, be a better writer because of, because of things like that. And I'm, I love performing, you know, I love um, playing our songs to people and, and putting on a show. Um, but I am actually, you know, just a, a very thin skinned person. <laughs> so um, I, I tend not to read reviews, um, which is harder now because of social media, because people will at you in to things and go, hey, this review is great. And it's like, ah, no, it just it says our last five albums were rubbish and <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm in the world. I'm trying to <laughs> process what's going going on with with the new record. And I, I, um, people have been very positive about it so far in terms of the songs that we've released but again it goes back to that thing where I know that a lot of people won't like it you know that's just that's life and you have to get used to that because it your perception of the record will be altered by that if you unless you've got this bulletproof con confidence um or, or you've got the the sort of ability to shut things off which I don't you see I've got a <laughs> a kind of photographic memory for for things um and it it just that's not helpful at this <laughs> at this time when you're about to put something out but i think you know the other the other side of it is I've, I've, being proud of it you've got you've got so much um 
hope for the record. You know, I, I, I always have so many, so much hope for it. Um, every time a record's released and I'm lucky because, you know, all of our records have been in the charts and I know that that, that just, I, I, you know, from a, a purely data driven point of view, I know that there's a, an audience out there who like our music and who are listening to it. So I really hope that the, that those people love the record and that gives me a very positive feeling, but yeah, the butterflies are here for all of us, I think. And it's, it's going to be really strange because we can't go out and play the songs. You can rest assured that everyone at Rough Trade is fully behind it, hence it being our edit, and we're really, really excited for it. So I hope... Really Thanks very much. As I'm sure will, especially your fans, feel the same. Thanks. Well, thank you so, so much for chatting to me today. Um, once again, congratulations on the record. And yeah, hopefully we will see you guys at a Rough Trade in-store. Maybe. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. That again, the, the hope is always there at the back of, back of my mind, even though there's lots of facts and figures in the way. <laughs> um, could you pick a track from the record that we could play you out with today? All right, then. Um, I will pick the penultimate song, Feelings I'm Supposed to Feel, probably because it's, um, it's not going to be a single, you know, it's, it's more of a um, reflective kind of atmosphere to that song but it's also a kind of quite propulsive as well and so I feel like if people hear it um, they will get into it and it's got a little sample of my daughter on it um, that the song is is kind of about me being in the attic where I'm speaking to you from now where I recorded the vocals for the album and hearing her outside playing and hearing her voice filter up through the attic window and so it's yeah it's a a very very nice moment for me to to sort of hear her having a laugh outside and it's kind of intermingled with the song at the end subscriptions help to support what we do so if you like what you hear then please rate us on itunes